Hi, and you're very welcome to episode 13 of the League of Ireland show here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm joined once again by Alan Keane, who's uh, been doing little jigs around the house for the last 12 or 14 hours or so as we record this. Um, Sligo Rovers top of the league, Alan. It's uh, it's rare in, in recent seasons, not so much in your time, but it's rare. Uh, there must be fairly ex- a good excitement around the town. Yeah, there definitely is, and it's a good buzz. You're, you're after beating the league champions up in their own home patch. Um, you talk, you go back to the the game earlier in the season when they kind of got done with a with a, a late goal. Um, so I think Liam Buckley will keep his his troops grounded. Um, but the only worry you'd have is you're coming into the mid season break at the wrong time for Sligo Rovers. Possibly the, the a good time for Shams with all the injuries and a couple of other teams. But uh, yeah, great, great balls even there this morning now popping into town, loads of people on a high after last night on top of the table. But, you know, the lads won't get carried away with themselves. And um, it's good to see. And, and you know what? Overall, fully deserved because they have the best defensive record in the league and they haven't been overrun in any game whatsoever. Yeah, they've been very, very solid defensively. Uh, to be fair, all season, they've looked very hard to beat. Maybe not the most creative going forward, but they still find the back of the net with a regular enough um, what. Well, Regularly enough, they hit the back of the net. They're winning games. They're they're picking up points left, right, centre. Uh, let's fly quickly through Friday night's games and just uh, bring people up to speed with them. It's been it feels like a, a lifetime ago at the moment, but of course a win for Derry down in Waterford at uh, one nil victors down there. While Pats edged out Bohemians two one also on Friday in the early kickoffs in the later kickoffs on uh, Friday night in the Premier Division, uh, Dundalk winners, surprise winners to be fair, but well worth the win on the night, 2-1. They've ended Shamrock Rovers' 33-game unbeaten run. Uh, they're now on a two-game streak that they won't want. Stephen Bradley will be quick to turn that around next weekend. Sligo Rovers, Longford Town, 2-0 victory for the Bitter Red, which set them up for a top-of-the-table clash uh, last night as we record this Monday night, which of course we now know they went on to beat Sligo Rovers 1-0. And Finn Harps beaten by Drogheda, who seem to be on their own little bit of a roll. We might just drop down to the first division and take a look at the results from Friday night as well and just get them all out of the way. At Lone Town, 2-1 winners over Cove Ramblers, while Cork City and Galway United played a one-all draw on John Caulfield's return back to uh, the, the to turn his cross with Galway United. Shells and UCD at uh, 3-1 there for Shells, too strong for the students. They go top of the league comfortably at the uh, end of the play on Friday evening. Uh, Wexford and Bray, 1-0 there for Bray. A uh, good win, solid victory for them at Wexford. Their woes continue despite the addition of Ian Ryan to the managerial position. Cabinteely and Treaty United. Cabinteely, a big win there. Somewhat maybe unexpected, but it leaves the league table with Shells out on top. UCD in second, level with Athlone, Cabantilia point behind, Bray back on 14, Galway United and Treaty on 13, Cork 9, Cove 5 and Wexford still with no points on the table. That's a little bit disappointing, Alan. Yeah, it is, but they've obviously got Ian Ryan now uh, in, uh, down and I think is a Larkin Fitzgerald gone in with him. So uh, Yeah, he's gone in as a number two. Yeah, as a player, so a player it, it'll be interesting for them. They need they need to bounce back. Um, but in fairness, um, it they they seem to struggle to get players down there. That's the only issue, and it's it's I suppose geographically they're probably situated in. You know, you're talking. You have shells. You have Bray. You have, you know, Cabin Tealy, UCD. There's a lot of teams up around there that players are just happy enough sit in Dublin and 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 the surrounds instead of going all the way down to Wexford. 
Yeah, no, unfortunately. Uh, Dundalk had a great night Friday night. Uh, mood was really, really high after beating Shamrock Rovers. That's been turned on its head 72 hours later with a, a fairly heavy defeat uh, to Bohemians. 5-1, their former striker, Georgie Kelly, getting a hat-trick. That's probably going to be even worse than the scoreline is the fact that they let him go at the start at the end of last season. Yeah, of course it is. And I suppose they did let him go because they had Pat Hoban and uh, David McMillan. So it was it was a difficult one to, I suppose, to hold on to. But I fancied them to beat Shamrock Rovers on, on Friday night. It's funny, like, I just said, if they beat them, they'll go, they'll, they could turn the corner. But my God, talk about a drubbing yesterday. That won't do them any, any good. And it's awful hard to... They're so unpredictable. Like, they, they, they go on a... They have a, a win against Shamrock Rovers to get beaten 5-1. It's just... It's just, it's not, it's not good enough. You, you, you can't accept. It's unacceptable, and the players have to take a lot of responsibility with that. And I suppose coming into the mid-season break, um, the players will be dying for it, even though they'll probably be in over the mid-season break. Um, but I, I, I feel that we need to, they, like, we need to see the best of the players, uh, that the quality that they have there. But you won't get out of that until they sort out the mess that they have off the field, whether sort out the manager and, and everything. And I feel like a couple of players might leave this summer. Yeah, I think there's going to be a mass exit of Celtic Dundalk, whether that's in the boardroom, on the dugout, on the pitch. I think I'm not sure anyone really knows what's going on, and that goes from the boardroom right down. And I actually feel sorry for Jim Middleton because I think he came in there with great plans and, and maybe promises made to him. And uh, I suppose people would be looking from the outside in listening to us talking about it and kind of saying, well, it was kind of obvious that that was going to be the situation, that there was a power struggle, that there was a little bit of confusion maybe in terms of the basics of the game at the top of the club. And fans had a big protest the weekend, depending on what reports you talked uh, to. It was a good turnout. Some say it was a bad turnout. The number is somewhere around the 200 mark by all accounts. Um, there seems to be a, a want to, for, for peak six to maybe sort out their own situation and maybe sort out the, the club chairman and, and his impact and his influence. But let's be honest, peak six, Dundalk's such a small part of their portfolio. Uh, it's a pet project now for Matt Hulsizer's dad, Bill. Um, I, I don't know about you, but if I tried to get my dad to, to step down from a role of something I was involved in, I'd find it very difficult. And I can only imagine, uh, this, given the, the personalities involved, that... Bill doesn't need to go anywhere. He doesn't have to go anywhere from a financial point of view. He makes no. the decisions or his son makes the decisions. So I think that's just something that Dundalk are going to have to be, unfortunately, maybe um, stuck with for the next little while. I, I think so. And maybe maybe that's the reason why they haven't appointed a manager uh, since because maybe they have spoke to a lot of, uh, of that we don't know about and a couple of managers might have turned them down because they maybe have their eyes have been opened up to the mess that, are, that there is. And we spoke to Jim on the first show here um, we asked him would he be in the dugout for the year and he says no 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 that was you know he and he had good plans and unfortunately he's been thrown in there and um, he's double jobbing now and it's difficult like and uh, he, I suppose he'll get the brunt of it um, but ultimately as he said the mess started long before Jim came in and long before this season you know you talk go back to Vinnie Perts you go back to the previous we spoke to John Gill on it it's just it's a continuation and to be fair the way things are going, they could find themselves in a relegation battle. Yeah, and I think, uh, to be fair, it didn't change with the arrival of Peak Six. It just seems to have changed with the the change of, of chairman from, from Mike Tracy, who seemed to be a relatively safe pair of hands, mm -hmm. um, to Bill. And um, I suppose you can cast, people can 
judge their own conclusions from that. We'll be chatting to, to Gary Rogers uh, very shortly. That may or may not come up in the conversation. And uh, we might also be talking about the goalkeeping situation at Dundalk because I think it's clear um, that maybe the, the quality just isn't uh, there at the moment. And maybe the recruits that they've brought in or one recruit in particular just might not be at the pace of the game in the country just yet. We might get Gary's opinion on that later on as well. Uh, we better talk about the Clash of the Rovers. Um, a couple of interesting things. I know you texted me last night a photograph of uh, the scoreboard. Yeah. And I know, I know um, Longford were guilty before of of uh, of not naming Shamrock Rovers B when they came to play them in, in last season. They they had development team on all their tweets and the match program, and they just didn't mention Shamrock Rovers at all. Um, it seems to have been returned the favour up the N4 a little bit further. It was the scoreboard that you sent me read Rovers nil blank one it's a little bit disrespectful yeah i just i just think you know we, we can all have the crack and have the banter with between the fans and stuff like that but you got to show respect um to the op- the opposition and the teams you know you put you know whatever they want to put down put down sligo if they want but uh i liked whoever was looking after sligo over's uh twitter account they just said we will we, we will be um what did they say at all they said something we will be heard or we we have a voice or we have a name um so uh, it's just disrespectful, but look, uh, it doesn't really surprise me because back in 2012, when we won the league. They wouldn't give us a guard of honour going out at the end of the, you know, the end of the season, and it caused a bit of, I suppose, tensions took off since then, you know, because I think it was a bit disrespectful because I know Sligo Rovers, no doubt about it, would, you know, give them a guard of honour coming out if if it was uh, roles reversed. But last night, I just thought that was a bit, a bit. Um, you know, unprofessional, all right. Like, uh, there's no need. Fans, players can have the banter, have the crack, but clubs stay professional. Yeah, and like I've been on the, the, the I wouldn't say the receiving end. I've been on the providing end of that guard of honor for various clubs I've been involved in over the years. It's not pleasant uh, when you have to stand there and clap on your competitors after they've beaten you through the season. Uh, you do it through gritted teeth every single time, but you do it. You know, it's you respect, just, you, it's respect yeah. for your fellow players. It's not really you can do it, but you've got to respect the fellow players because at the end of the day, you know, who knows? You could be one of them walking out and you'd want that. And, you know, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you have to show respect. Uh, albeit when you cross that white line, that's, you know, you're you're playing for your, the crest and uh, that's it. But you, you still, we're all human beings. We're all, you know, we're all players. We all, everyone wants to win, but we all can't win, you know, so... Um, yeah, look, uh, it's interesting, but look, the result went the right way, and that was the main thing. Absolutely. Well, listen, let's quickly take a look at the, the other two or three uh, fixtures from last night. Waterford, Finn Harps, they pulled it out of the bag. We're going to talk to Ollie Horgan later in the show as well. Um, two late goals, a cracker from Adam Foley. Oh, Finn Harps, uh, we were looking at the game, and Waterford thought they got the new bounce with the, with the new manager. And uh, then I was because I, t- I was flicking, trying to flick through games. And to be fair, Harps were, were on the ascendancy. And I, I thought, I said, if they don't come out of here with a win, they'd be kicking themselves. But they gra- grounded out the win. They played really well. And uh, Adam Foley again with a strike. Um, you know, they're, fly- they're they're on the right side of the table, if you, if you know what I mean. And actually, I'm very surprised. And I suppose I'll chat to Ollie on it later that they're actually playing football now because they're always associated with long, get it up to the big man up top, play off of they're actually playing football now and they're actually playing a decent brand of football and they're grinding out results and um, they needed that win, I think. You know, um, they needed just, 
they needed that lift again and, and it was a good good grind out result and uh, delighted for Raleigh. Pats of course left it quite late to rescue a point in the Brandywell. It's it's unfortunate for Rory Higgins, nearly his first uh, win as a manager at home. Um, it's going to come though because Derry have improved remarkably over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they have and, and um, they play some good football but I, 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 I kind of think that Rory needs to get his defence sorted, get a solid base and play from there. They want to play football, but they're leaking goals too easy at the back. And I think if they get solid and then start playing, because we all know they can play football. They have a good squad up there. Um, but he must be, you know, he must be kicking himself, conceding so so late again and and uh, so close to that win. But it, it's work in progress and, and, and they're fly, uh, like, you know, it's good to see them kind of, because everyone needs Derry in the league. Yeah, finally, and we haven't touched on yet. Draw United, good win at the weekend, uh, but also they follow that up with a fantastic win at Head in the Game Park last night against Longford Town. A disappointing end, I suppose. Four-one Longford. It's it's going to be a long, long season for Longford. Yeah, Longford's Longford's uh, this year. They just need to be in that playoff zone, I think, or or close to the team above them. But you got to look. You have Derry and 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 uh, Dundalk ahead of you. And you expect them now to go on a bit of a run. So the further away you keep, to, you know, you keep losing games, and the further away you go, you just have to pray that you're not in the the bottom and automatic relegation. Um, it's disappointing, but Drogheda absolutely flying it. I think it's it's the ground for free kicks, isn't it? Worldies because Ronan Murray again last night, unbelievable. Anthony Day Massey can do, Ronan Murray can do. So uh, uh, quality and look at we've spoke about Drogheda. We spoke about the way Tim has, and we spoke to Connor Howey and said. I, I said that draw would be all right this year. They're more than all right. They're 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 uh, they're absolutely fine it, and no team will want to play them right now. Yeah, of course that league table four four one the final score there just for the record. And um, the league table Sligo as you mentioned on top one point clear of Shamrock Rovers back on twenty seven points and then Pats on twenty five. There's a bit of a gap opening up to Drogheda on twenty two. Four more points back to Finn Harps on 18 bows one point behind after their fine victory against Dundalk 17 points from their 13 games Dundalk and Derry as you mentioned 7th and 8th in the table I expect both to come good later on in the year 14 points and then it's a massive gap back to Longford 7 points to Longford who sit on 7 points with Waterford on 6 and I think a lot of people in the first couple of weeks of the season were thinking it could be between Longford and Waterford to go down it's kind of playing out that way and really just a matter of who can stay ahead of the other and avoid the the automatic relegation at the moment. But you know, never know, things can change. Uh, if Dundalk can't get it together or Derry fall back into uh, a, a losing way, they could be drawn back into that as well. Yeah, and that's it. Like, and the, as, we, as we said there, the, the hope for Longford is that you can drag as many teams back in to, to, as close as possible. Seven points is a massive, massive, massive gap down there. You might think it, but it is two wins, uh, three wins, and hoping that the other teams above you. So you'd expect the quality of Derry and the experience of Dundalk would just pull away. You're looking at Finn Harps or flying it and others. Um, I, I'm sure at the start of the year, the likes of Waterford and Longford would have been hoping the likes of Finn Harps and likes of Drogheda that would be there battling around with them. But unfortunately, they're, they've kicked on this year and they're doing, you know, they're doing wonders. Yeah, we'll talk about the fixtures for next weekend later in the programme. Of course, the last weekend before the um, mid-season break, Longford will be hosting Shamrock Rovers, though, who will be looking to avoid a triple defeat on the bounce. Um, so I'd be worried for the reaction they might get on Friday night or Saturday night, probably, in um, in 
in, in Bishopsgate, it's going to be a, a long, long couple of weeks for Longford as they, they kind of get through the next few, few weeks of the season. Um, maybe let's jump over and have that chat with Gary Rogers, who joins us now. Now, of course, somebody who knows all about the team at the top of the league at the moment, Sligo Rovers, but also the team that we spoke about earlier struggling, particularly in the goalkeeping department, is the former goalkeeper for both those sides, Gary Rogers. There's a couple of other teams thrown in there as well. I know our paths crossed during Dublin City days, Gary, but um, you've been around the block, but you're probably best known for those two clubs in recent years. Uh, welcome to the programme. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, lads. Now, unfortunately, you had to put up with Kino in a couple of those dressing rooms as well. Um, we're going to wait for the dirt on Kino later until he can't get you back, really. Um, but I suppose let's start maybe with how retirement's going for you. Yeah, no, it's going good. I'm um, obviously enjoying a new role. It's um, I'm just thankful that I stepped out of football and there was kind of opportunities there for me to step into. So that's a major plus and the fact that it's involved in football still it's great so I think um, the timing for me was right I just felt that it was a nice way to sign off uh, with a cup final win in the bag and, and uh, my last game in the Aviva against Arsenal in the Europa League I just look I, I couldn't have envisaged a better way of, of calling it a day you know yeah, Gaz like speaking on retirement do you, I suppose you get it a lot now uh, people uh, they say to you when you're tired do you miss it do you do this do you do that but on your terms, you went out on your terms rather than seeing a season out, say, on the bench looking on. How massive or how big was that? Like, do you miss it now? Uh, as in terms of would it the would the COVID situation have helped you? Because I found when I retired, going to the games with the crowds there, I, I found it a little tough at the start. But say for you now, how do you, how have you experienced going to the games and then there's no crowds? You say, look at that timing was was right. Yeah, I think, look, obviously we're disappointed with no crowds. I'm, look, I would love to have crowds for the last few games. And I think, you know, it will be different atmosphere once you get them back in there. We're all looking forward to them days because it's certainly, it's badly missed. And football is only half the game without them. Um, you know, it just goes to show you see the FA Cup in, in the UK and, and crowds coming back in. But, look, I'm really happy with, you know, the way um, that I've, I, I've gone out and the fact that, like you say, I've gone on my own terms rather than hanging on a little bit too long and people may say you were finished anyway, but like it's nice to be able to kind of call it when you want to go and, and relatively at the top. I know we didn't win the league last year, but you know, we did win a cup and um, so I was kind of happy with that. I didn't want to be hanging on too long and COVID, like I, I was kind of, had did have aspirations of trying to um, get Alfa Newcomb's appearance record and you know, COVID really killed that for me because like I needed to play all of last season and then all of this season and I would have I would have topped them. So um yeah, COVID didn't help and that kind of did make me wind up because I would have had to play for another two or three years and you just don't know whether your body you're able to do that. And look I feel good. I'm happy that I got out of the game. I suppose relatively injury free. I've had always had a obviously you know you know yourself you pick up a few knocks along the way but we're a bit old school. We would have played with them and a bit of ignorance there. But uh, gladly nothing too bad that you know that they're paying the price for it now. Of course, we mentioned off air about the number of games played. You did have a spell at Dublin City half a season or so before they went out of business that summer. Those 16 or 17 games, whatever it was, cancelled, gone from the record. Would that have been a, a factor maybe if you had only maybe those 15 or 16 games less to have to play? Yeah, well, I think it, it would have meant that this season, um, if I played all of this season with them games on top of it, I would have been providing you play every game. I would have been, uh, yeah, in around the house for, for 
forgetting that. But the fact that I, I wasn't going to be, and then uh, like I, I spoke to Filippo as well when I was at you know Dundalk throughout the season because I was sussing them out in terms of what the thinking was for next year, and I knew they were bringing in. Alessio and they were bringing in a young American keeper as well and they wanted me to be in the fold and I just didn't I didn't fancy that like I played all my career and I still felt that um, you know I wouldn't be happy sitting on the bench and playing second fiddle it's just not in me in my nature and I'd be fuming uh, I'd be fuming right now if I was there at the minute with the results but I just I just didn't uh, see myself being a, a number two goalkeeper and um, like it mightn't have played out that way but I know the way Filippo was doing things he was rotating keepers a lot and we had words about that and I didn't enjoy that either like I, I felt he was um, giving opportunities to the other keepers when you know I'm doing my best to keep them out and that's the way you know as a goalkeeper number one you want to kind of limit the opportunities of your opposition in terms of getting game time whereas I felt that Filippo would, would give games you know for no reason basically to, to the other goalkeeper and that just puts pressure on you to perform as well and Gaz, like you touched on it there, I found that in the Europa League, it felt like he was over uh, a schoolboy team. He was chopping and changing. I seen those, you know, the you different keepers and stuff like that. So I'll go back to the whole thing on Dundalk. You've been there. Is it as much of a mess as what we say perceive to see now, uh, looking from the outside? Yeah, it looks that way, um, and it certainly was a mess. Like, there was stuff going on on and off the field that you know just doesn't. It's not creating the right environment to succeed. Um, and you know, you know, the dressing room in Dundalk and and the environment that Stephen Kenny created there. Um, you know, and the atmosphere that there was amongst the team. You know, that was that's what the success was driven on. That and and obviously Graham Bourne and the fitness of the players. Like there was teams beating in the dressing room before we went out onto the pitch. Like you just look over at the opposition and you just know you're going to beat them. Not in an arrogant way, but you just knew that our lads were were primed and ready to go. And like we'd look at teams that we'd know we're going to steamroll them. And whereas that now you couldn't buy a win and the kind of atmosphere has completely changed and the environment and the culture that was, you know, associated with Dundalk is gone and it's very hard to get that back. Uh, and, and that is, you know, the major struggle now for, for the club. And you look at Jim Magilton has a big job in his hands. He seems to be struggling to get a manager right now. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's fundamentally the first thing that they do need is a manager in there to steer the ship. And it's been far too long waiting in the wings trying to get a manager in. Five weeks is just not acceptable. Well, we, we spoke about that, me and Breffney, just earlier. Um, do you think that they have been speaking to, to uh, managers, but managers have come in and basically they're maybe being told that they're not really going to be in charge and they've just gone, look, at, I'm not getting involved in that? Well, it's hard to know what to think because the communication, you know, has been so yeah. poor in terms of, like, the fans don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, certainly the media don't really know what, what the club are doing. And the players won't know either because you know you only need to go back to um, what Shane Keegan said on, on one of the on I think it was off the ball podcast, whereas he was told ten minutes before a press conference that he was being the ma named the manager. So that'll tell you what the communication is like between the uh, you know between the the, the club and um, the board and the players. Like there was often cases last year where you know you'd get information, you'd see information on on the. Um, on mainstream media before the players would know about it. Like, so, you know, that, that communication element and that problem hasn't been rectified. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough look in from the outside uh, when you see kind of how, how successful the club has been over the last eight or 10 years and to see the kind of the demise so quickly in such a short space of time. 
it's it's tough to see how they pull themselves back from this because the rumors now about the likes of Chris Shields moving north during the the, the summer, the summer names and moves away and really it's ripping the heart out of that team that would probably take a few years to rebuild if and when they get the right person in the dugout. Yeah, you just need to look at, at, at say, the, the scouting and the recruitment that has gone on. You look at Georgie Kelly scoring a hat-trick last night. He was a Dundalk player last year, was let go. You look at Will Patching on loan to Derry. He's leading the way in terms of assists in the whole league. So, like, Will has been the most creative player. Probably goes under the radar a bit because he's at Derry. But in terms of assists and goals, he's probably the most creative player in the league. You know, um, and then you look at John Mountain, he gone to St. Pat's. Uh, Robbie Benson, the loss the previous year. Um, you, have, you have Dane Massey, who scored three or four goals for Drottenham. His leadership and quality in the dressing room is missed as well. Uh, and like we're only, we're only touching the iceberg. You look at Sean Gannon, probably the best right back. You know, will agree with me. One of the best right backs that has been in the league for a number of years. And he, he went to the, their closest rivals. And not to mention Sean Hoare. Like Dundalk have lost their pace out of the back four or back five or whatever way you want to play it. Um, like Sean Gannon and Sean Hoare were the were, were the pace in that defence, and you look at the amount of goals that they've leaked now off the back of losing. Obviously, you know they lost all three goalkeepers and a goalkeeping coach, so that will tell you a little bit about the about the recruitment uh, scenario that's going on. Yeah, it's funny. Sunday afternoon, I was I wasn't talking to him, but I was standing beside Steve Williams. He was he's with Loud now. They were down playing Leitrim in a national league match at the weekend. Um, and he was he roaring. It was like he was still playing for shells, to be honest. It was like I was on the terrace at Talca Park, listening to him, inst- instructing the defenders. Um, you're with I'm glad Mon- you were listening to him and not me. <laughs> I had enough of him in my ear for six or seven years. <laughs> but you're with Monaghan GA as well at the moment. Um, now, they're amateur sports, although I'm sure there's expenses involved. But why, what, why, what's the attraction now to not getting back involved with the likes of Dundalk and, and for people like yourselves to be to be leaving from behind the scenes as well. It's a huge drain on on expertise and and, and game awareness from the sport, never mind the club. Yeah, well, I, I know that Steve's, uh, why Steve is out there is because you need a pro, uh, you wait for A licence to be a goalkeeping coach in a Premier Division club and Willow has his B licence and the club would have been using my A licence while I was playing to satisfy licensing criteria there. Uh, obviously, I have different reasons for, for not being around. I just didn't think, um, obviously, I have a new job and there was a couple of different things on the agenda. I wasn't, like, they spoke to me about coming back into the club, but there was no offer kind of made, um, you know, like, you know, oh, will you come back in and do this, that or the other? But there was no actual, say, firm offer. This is what we want you to do. And this is the contract that you'll be getting or whatever it is. Because I think with any job offer, you would get a contract or you would get a, an offer of, of a wage, so um, there was nothing put to me, so there was nothing to kind of knock back. Um, having said that, I probably look. I wasn't really that keen to go in there anyway. Um, like I would have seen the, you know, the environment there last year, and I just didn't feel like I wanted to kind of get away from the club, um, and to kind of move on and have a clean, a clean, uh, a clean start and and explore different opportunities. You know. So guys, getting away from Dundalk, you're at the clash of the Rovers last night. Um, how did you see it yourself? Um, you know the game. You seen it live, so have you? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I really enjoyed Sligo Rovers this year. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from them. They're they've got a really good goalkeeper. They've got an excellent back four. Um, you know, you look at you look at John Mahan and and, uh, and Gary uh, Buckley, two two excellent centre halves. Um, even like McCourt and whether it's Lewis or Hogan, really excellent kind of 
that core unit. Greg Bulger, for me, has been the signing of the season. I know Gibson has lit it up at times, but I think Greg gives Sliger Rovers that winning mentality and that bit of steel uh, that, that they may have been lacking. I just think he's been terrific and he kind of dictates everything around the club, I'd imagine. I don't know. I'm not in the dressing room, but from, like, I kind of know Greg a little bit and I would have seen him around the place and played against him. I just know what he gives you and what he's given that club. Um, so, I, and they're also very exciting in terms of, you know, their front four, whether it be Johnny Kenny or Romeo and Gibson has been brilliant and Figueroa. They all give you something a little bit different, but they have pace and they're dynamic up front. So, I really enjoyed watching them this season. Um, like, I think that defensive solidity that they have is, is the kind of the base of the success. But when they get the ball, they know how to hurt teams. And you've also got to give credit to, to Liam Buckley and John Russell and, yeah, I suppose, the strength and conditioning at, at Sligo because it's not the biggest squad. And they've managed to keep everybody relatively fit because I don't think they could take three or four injuries to key players and still produce the results that they are. So, you know, there's, there's massive credit that needs to go to the whole management team and how they're, they're doing their business down there and getting everyone or more or less everybody fit week to week. And look, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Sligo and uh, look, they're doing fantastic. Yeah, that's um, it's, it's funny that you said that about the fitness and keeping them. I spoke to Russell at the start of the year and said like the squad is small but sometimes a small squad is great because you you, you know you have your continuity every week but Tom French yeah I think he's with Sports Academy he's he's in there with them he has someone working under him as well and they're completely primed them they said all the way through not to peak too soon and I don't think they are they haven't been overrunning games but going back in terms of Shamrock Rovers uh, obviously I tweeted last night you find that they're very predictable in the last I suppose since this season that they don't have that creativity of Jack Byrne, Aaron McAniff. It seems like teams, you know, teams find it easy to play against them. Yeah, well, the thing is, when you're the champions, um, you know how teams are going to set up every week. They're going to say, come and beat me. Uh, and that's always the challenge. The easiest thing for any team to do is sit there and be defensive and say, right, we're going to try and get something out of the game. That's always the easy thing. Like you see managers come into a new team and they'll set up not to get beat and to try and build on something. Unlocking defences is the hard thing. That's why Jack Bourne was so good. That's why Aaron McIniff. These guys are missed because you think about Jack. He links everything together and he picks the picks holes in the fence and he moves people around. Whereas I felt watching Shamrock Rovers, I suppose particularly against Dundalk, um, that Danny Mandrew he dropped in too deep in between centre backs and it was kind of like players all the way around the periphery of the pitch, but there was nobody in the middle where you could break the lines and link it in just to draw. Dundalk out of um, out of position a little bit, so like that is the hard thing. But I do think they've done enough so far. Um, like they've got they've got um, late wins and they've got goals. But um, I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Um, I think the energy that Aaron McIniff brings to the team and and that skill and guile that that Jack Bourne brings to the team, they're very hard to replace. And now I know Danny Mandrew has done really well and Graham is good and Dylan Watts and all these players. But like it's kind of a new midfield, if you like. But it's a working process, and and you look at Richie Tell coming into into the squad as well. I do think they'll be hard bet for the league, regardless. I know Sligo Rovers at the top of the table, and delighted to see them there. But to stay there and maintain it for the season is going to be a huge ask, and it will come down to what signings they will make in July in order to strengthen. Because you do need to strengthen and freshen things up. And um, but they've given themselves a fantastic base for the season. 
Gary, uh, your new job is obviously a, a scouting role with, with a Portuguese company. I know you've spoken about it a, a good bit on other forums over the last couple of months, but I suppose now that you're half a season in, we're approaching the mid-season break, there's plenty of young names that have burst onto the scene this year, the likes of Johnny Kenny, Ryan O'Kane. They're all names we've, we've heard mentioned up and down the league. Who's impressed you maybe mightn't have made it yet into that kind of group of players or even within the, that group of youngsters that have kind of burst through this season? Yeah, look, the, the one thing about our league, I think, you know, the league is probably not as strong as it was maybe a number of years back where you would have four or five teams contest. And remember, like, there would have been Cubs, Hats, Derry, Cork teams, and you would have the usual uh, Shamrock Rovers and Bows and stuff like that knocking around. So I don't think it's as strong where it is. It has been a two-horse race for the last number of years, whether it be Cork and Dundalk. So there is opportunities for young players to come into into teams and um, you look at the, the likes of Drogheda they're doing re- really well and they've had some really good young players come through um, young, young centre midfielder Killian Phillips has done really well for them obviously James Brown has really taken the league by storm I know he's not an unknown in terms of um, for Tim Tim uh, Clancy because he obviously had him at, over the last couple of years but he's been brilliant at right back for Drogheda and you know you look at uh, Ronan Boyce at Derry City another good young player and Derry have a habit of bringing through really good talent. Uh, you look at, going back to years, we have Patrick McElhenney and Mickey Duffy and these guys, and they always go on to a good level. And, and there's a number of players who, who do that at Derry. So look, the, the, the league presents a really good platform for young players now, especially with the situation in terms of COVID and wait, no fans coming in. So gate receipts are down. So clubs don't have the same income that they would generally have. So they have to look at, you know, bringing players through from their academy and that will benefit the young players I think going forward and will help the league to grow and the talent to grow and um, so it's really interesting time I suppose for my new job and my new role to, to, to look at that talent and identify young players coming through into the league. Gary is there any spot for me in that role like, I'm still only a young fella like you know I can still, still go across the water just tell them I'm only 20 I, I might get away with it. Just so, get, yourself, get yourself a Joey a doe out there we never <laughs> knew what age Joey was either. <laughs> Nobody believes you're 20 when they look at that hair, Alan. I'm, I'm sorry, you just won't, won't cut it. Uh, we're going to have to tell Ollie Horgan. He might have a contract for you. He likes uh, kind of the older lads from Sligo. He had Raf up there for a couple of seasons. We might find you a job up there in a couple of minutes. Uh, but Gary, listen, uh, I know you're under pressure to get away for training tonight with Monaghan. So the best of luck uh, to you uh, with, with all of that and the new job. And uh, continue to enjoy the retirement. It suits you. You look very relaxed. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jay. He's lost his hair now. I, I've told him for years. Here's all gone. Lost his three girls. I've no hair. They're pulling he's, me hair. He's, out. he's finally took the plunge and cut it. I was giving out to him for years. Patrick Keaton used to call him. <laughs> Should have done it earlier. Regretting there. Larry, <laughs> thanks a million for joining us. All the best, lads. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Now, one person who'll be delighted with the results over the Monday evening fixtures was, of course, uh, the come-from-behind hero down in Waterford. Finn Harps, of course, 2-1 winners down there. And Ollie Horgan, their manager, joins us now. Ollie, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Sam. Ollie, um, you must be delighted, first of all, last night. Puts you kind of top half of the table. It's a nice ba- uh, place to be uh, looking towards the mid-season break next week. Yeah, look, it was it was a great result for us, especially away from home, having gone one nil down. But I mean, you know, we needed a result, and you know, we 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 we'd, we'd huffed and puffed a bit in, and we need enough results, Alan, to to try about thirty six games to stay in this and and see where we're at then. But it's it's really nothing more than that. I mean, you know, 
uh, we, we don't get too carried away if we win and we don't get too despondent should we lose and that's really the way we've been for years and, and that's not going to change you know and Oli, the contrast in the seasons gone by, say, you, you would have been kind of, everyone would talk to you as, oh, just a big physical side, get it up to the front man and play off him. But I've seen you a good few times this year and you actually are playing some pretty good football. Um, how, what would you have said that? Is that the personnel that you've brought in or, or, or what would you no. put that down to? I'm more interested to know who the front man was you were talking about there that we could get it up to. Yeah, Raph, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, there the isn't a whole lot that has changed. Yeah, we, we've, we've, we've probably, we survived in the last year, the season last year, by the width of the post, Curtis Byrne hit, hit, hit the bottom of the post for Waterford. You know, that would have put us into the playoff instead of Shelburne. And that was... The narrow margins of us staying up, uh, we've more or less the basis of the same side that we had last year that finished well. But, you know, we, we need to try and, 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 and see can we improve on last year. And at the moment, you know, there's, there's, we, we need to finish above two, two teams, you know, to try and avoid the, the playoff spot. And we're, I don't know how many games in, is it 13? We've had a long way to go and a lot can change in that time, you know. It must be nice though, Holly, to be looking at from the, from the point of view of where you are in the table, in mid-table, down with a, a healthy double-figure digit gap to that playoff position at this stage of the season? Yeah, yeah, obviously. It's better looking down than looking up than we normally are. But you know, I think everyone in the, in the club is very realistic. We don't know any anything better than, than fighting relegation, be it avoiding it in the last year or be it changed. I don't remember a game in, in my time where you know there was there was never a game that we didn't have to win if you like you know we never had the luxury of a game at the end of the season that didn't matter they always mattered and we, we were writing it till the very end and that's possibly the way it'll go this year after the 36 games yeah and Ollie, uh, looking at you this year as I said you've, you've, you've assembled a good squad uh, I suppose a good lot of uh, experienced lads and I'm really impressed with um in the middle of the park is Coyle and um, Adam Foley's hit the ground running for you. How important is it for your strikers to, you know, I suppose, set the tone at the start of the year and, and get a, the goals that he's been getting? Yeah, they've all done well in that area, but we probably haven't scored enough. Um, you know, I don't know how many goals we scored in 13 games, but it certainly would be well down the order of, of, of you know, strikers within the Premier Division. However, you know it's probably at the other end this way we've we've improved a bit. In we you know we took a we took a, a, a serious hammering by Bose for nothing up in Daily Mount. It could have been it could have been way more. They, they absolutely destroyed us. And Pats gave us a hiding at home, albeit it only finished two nil. Uh, you know, other than that, we were probably consistent and and rising all the other games. However, you know we probably need to score more goals. Adam included. He was the first person to tell you will tell you that. And. We need we need to get a few more. Like you're talking about, you know, get it up to the big men, be it Raf or whatever you like. Uh, our score from set pieces, we haven't scored from a set piece basically, and you know we, we need to do more of that to have any hope in trying to stay away from that bottom relegation battle. And we've a lot of improvement to do, lads, if that's to happen over 36 games. You know, the, the likes of Drahada, who who bet us and deservedly bet us for the last minute goal, albeit last weekend, they've been right in every single game of their. Team. 
not just 10 or 11 of them as we have been. And that's why they are where they are. And that's why they're in, you know, the top four positions of it. And, and, and we need to get better at that end of the pitch and share around the goal scoring side of it. Should that be the case? Um, look, you know, as I said to you, lads, this is, I don't really do podcasts. And I, I'm probably very boring for your listeners out there. It's not, it's not my forte, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's early days. We're 13 games into 36, you know, you're talking about just over a third of, of the season. We we need to try and get more points on the board. I mean, before we played Waterford yesterday, it was it was all doom and gloom with, 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 with the media that we'd only won one in eight or something like that. And what's gone wrong? You know, there wasn't a whole lot that went wrong. And and thank God we got a result last night. But we played Sligo, who you know, Alan, better than anyone who are top of the table and top of the table for a reason. We play them on Friday. And unless we're right, we, we'll, get, we'll get a run around like we did in Daily Mode. Yeah, you mentioned Sligo, Ali, and of course there's two former Sligo players. Well, there's a couple of Sligo players. Luke McNinkless is on the bench, but the two that I, I want to chat to you about briefly is uh, in midfield, Will Seymour has been uh, a revelation for you this year, considering it didn't really work out for him in the showgrounds last year. And you've kept the secret of the season with Johnny Dunleavy's return to, to first-team football. Everyone thought he had retired, but he's been picking up really solid performances for you this season as well since he came into the squad. Yeah, I mean, like, it just make it just make it quite clear, Alan. It wasn't a secret. It wasn't that we told the from having not having played in in the guts of eighteen months. Um, he's you know going week by week. He played last night on a Monday night. Johnny won't be fit for Friday, unfortunately. And we've got to manage him. And it, it wasn't that it was a secret. It was that you know Johnny Johnny doesn't need attention. We don't need attention on the basis that. God forbid if you break down, you know, it would be a, an awful blow to him and to us. So we just got on with our business, as did he, and we're delighted to have got what we got off him, but unfortunately we have to manage him. And while the break isn't really ideal for anyone at this early in the season, bar Johnny Dunleavy, it probably is good for him. We'll see uh, more as well. What addition has he been to your team, Ollie? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look, we, we, I mean, we both myself and Paul Hegarty would have watched Sligo on, on uh, you know, during the lockdown, during the virus, be it on a Friday, be it on a, a midweek game, be it on a Saturday, you know, Sligo picked or played the previous team that we will play the following weekend, if I've explained that in good enough English. And invariably, we would have watched Sligo the week before, watching the opposition they would have played because they were next up for us the following weekend. So we saw a lot of Will Seymour. Uh, he's, look, he's, he's a smashing lad. And, and, and a smashing player, and long may that continue. But, I mean, Sligo went, you know, with the likes of Greg Bulger, that is a step ahead again, and we were delighted that, that Will came to us, you know, but but it's not like that Sligo have weakened. They've probably improved with the likes of Greg in, in the middle of their field, to be fair to them. And Ollie, you, yeah, you touched on players. Do you find it difficult being up, like in, up there to get players in because you are part-time and obviously players coming out of Dublin would prefer to sit there because uh, I noticed at my time at Sligo it is difficult to get players come across but you've actually got a, a decent balance there now uh, do you find it difficult in the off-season to recruit players? Yeah I mean you know you, you've got you've got a care that comes from Dublin effectively you have a care that comes from Galway and that helps and you know if you've one in the care it's as easy you have three or four in the care albeit with the virus they had to travel if you like separately you know and um, but yeah, it is difficult. I mean, obviously Sligo geographically, but maybe, you know, financially might be better off and might be able to attract lads better. But 
we've gradually tried to improve it year on, year out, and only time will tell whether we have this year. But we, with a good bunch together, the very together is probably the, 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 the biggest positive that I'd say for them. There's no egos about them and they get on with their business. But like we've had tough days and thank God last night we had a good day. But we, we know there's going to be highs and lows in it, although we, we move on very quickly from, from both the highs and the lows in it, Alan. And, you know, it's it's a it's a question of whether we can muster up enough points to, to try and stay in this and, and, and to try and better it again maybe in, in, in a year to come. Of course, you've only had 13 games played and... Ollie, at this stage of the season, there's 20 odd to go. But um, what's the ambition this year? You're fifth at the moment. Can you hold on to that position? Can you move further up the table? Um, or have you a <laughs> reputation for being a kind of a, gl- a glass half empty kind of guy? Are you used to looking at that ninth spot and making sure there's daylight between you and that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's all point of pretending anything different. Like, I mean, there's, there's, there's chains below us on the table that will not be below us on the table. And that's no criticism of our own come the end of the season. You know, they, they're probably, they're, 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 you know, the best team we played in, in, so far are Bohemians. I, I actually think they're still behind us. And there's no way on earth, no matter how well we play, will Bohemians be behind us at the end of 36 games. And and there's other sides, the likes of Dundalk, the likes of Derry, you know, they're not going to be lying down there for too long. And you're then looking at, you know, can we can we stay above the, the bottom two and, and see, see can we better that? And that's basically nothing has changed with us. And while people want to, you know, want you to have, you know, you're brilliant or, or, or you're brutal, we're neither. And we're somewhere in between and we're just hoping that, that, that we're not brutal, you know, although the day in Bohemians was, was a bad, bad day for us because Bows were at, the, at their level and we weren't anywhere near what we could do. And there was a massive gulf in it that day, and we're just hoping we don't have too many of them days before the 36 games are out. But I've no doubt there will be a couple of them. But if we're keeping them, you know, down to to you know small figures, well, then you might be doing too badly, you know. For me, for me, Ali, uh, last year, um, I suppose after we came back after the pandemic, to me, for me, and, and a lot of others have said it that you deserve manager of the year for the job that you've done. Um, would you put that down to and I, anyone I spoke to I spoke about uh, uh, to about you? They'd say your man management is is excellent, and not only your man management, but your you you treat them like proper adults and as a family. Um, right, you know, I, I don't know number one. Are you on the wine with with the manager? <laughs> you, Alan? Is I don't know who's open at home. No, is it back open? No, but, um, no. I mean, like we survived by the width of the post. So yeah. if that gives you the manager of the year, I'm not quite sure what uh, what what the what they do. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm not trying to 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 be critical of of, of our own management yeah. team or myself or Paul Egerty. We we survived by the width of the post, and as Curtis Byrne will tell you, had that ball gone in, we were in the playoff and not Shelburne. And you know, it, it it we 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 struggled big time when we went back in in August after the restart. We went seven or eight games before we, we got a break or, 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 or got a point. And it was really right into October and into the, the start of November that we got going. But thankfully, which you kind of referred to earlier on, we we started this season with a little bit of that momentum, which gave us a little bit of a buffer at the start to put points on the board because we need them. Uh, but look, you know, we, we go we go week by week, the, the three weeks in three games in one week, we have struggled at the end of those three games, which is the Sligo game on Friday, and it's a huge concern to us. The two heavy defeats we got to Pats and Bowes came 
at the end of a three-match week and we are very, very aware of what we're going into playing the top-of-the-table team in Sligo and they're there for a reason come Friday night. I suppose finally, before we let you go, Oli, I know you're rushing off to training, but um, how important are those Northwest derbies? I know the first win in the Brandywell must have been a huge moment for everybody involved with the club and really kind of a really nice feather in your cap for this season. Yeah, I mean, and any games that we play derbies with Sligo on Friday night coming or, or the Derby game away, it's it's brilliant for us to be talking about them. For years, we weren't in the same league as them. And, and you know, we, we'd only get a game against them in a League Cup game or, or, or whatever. I, I think the downside of, of the derbies is that, you know, we play we play Sligo on Friday night and in, in ordinary times with, without the virus, the place to be jammed. Sligo are top of the table. They would take, as you know, busloads and carloads up for that game. Our own support would be out. And that's the downside of it, that they're going brilliantly. We're going OK. And, and it would be great to have the, the gates open and the place jammed again and similarly in, in, in Derry a couple of weeks ago on a Monday night that, that the place would be jammed for that as well had times be, be what they were a couple of years ago but look please God we'll, we'll have them back and we'd still be in the division to be talking about Sligo and Derry next year Ollie Horgan there, what a kind of character within the game. He gets a, a lot of credit for his his uh, pessimistic view. We got plenty of that there as well, Alan. Um, he doesn't do many podcasts. He thankfully um, came on and, and had a chat with us at your request, and it's been uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah, look at Ollie. We we all we all love Ollie in the league he, for the job he's done and and uh, the budget that he does have at Ben Hearts is phenomenal. And uh, as you said there, he's. He's there rushing to training um, to get him after coming back from Waterford after a day in school, uh, teaching in school. He's now on, in the car. It's, it's remarkable. It's unbelievable and uh, for what, he, what he's been doing. But uh, what a character. Absolutely. And he's, he's still underplaying the whole Finn Harps performance. Like they are, they're in and around it. And he's talking about the likes of the teams beneath them being better than them. Well, the league table doesn't, doesn't show that, you know. Um, so you kind of got to say, well, hang on a minute, Ollie. Maybe you don't, Give, not giving yourself enough credit, but I think that's part of the game plan with Ollie. Well, I, I I'd probably say safely say that he's not telling that to his players, if you know what I mean. You know, um, but in fairness, yeah, I suppose you have to think about it this way: that the last couple of years they've been down there, and he doesn't want the players smelling themselves either. You know, so he's like, right, listen, that's our target. Anything after that is a bonus. So if they can go one better than last year, it's it's a remarkable season. Or if they're not flirting with the with the playoffs. Which I don't think they will. Um, but this league is a crazy league. You can easily get dragged into it. Two, two, two or three defeats and two or three wins for the for the teams down there can can drag you right back in. So he's he's probably he's so experienced. He knows exactly what he's at, and uh, he's keeping his players on his toes. Absolutely. Well, we'll see how that European campaign uh, comes to fruition. I I don't know if they have the quality quite to make that. But like you said, I can't see them getting sucked into any kind of relegation battle at all this season. In terms of that, we might start there on Friday night. Obviously, they're um, hosting Sligo Rovers in Finn Park. There'll be no supporters, as Ollie mentioned. Um, it's a top-of-the-table clash for Finn Harps. They're playing Sligo Rovers, who are top-of-the-table. Can they stay there this weekend? It, you know, any of the Finn Harps games, you've seen the game down in, down in the showgrounds. It was a mistake. Johnny Kinney's goal won, won them, you know. Kick, kick started again didn't look like any sort of uh, you know big difference in the teams but Sligo are on a roll 
you know, Finn Hearts are coming off a good win against uh, Waterford. The only issue I'd have is the difference in, I suppose, not quality, but Finn Hearts having to travel all the way to Waterford, you know. Uh, Sligo Rovers only had to go up the up the road to, to Tala, and they're a full-time outfit, so it's going to be, it, I think it doesn't irrelevant where they are in the table. It's going to be who wants it more on Friday night, Northwest Derby. And as we said there, as we talked to Ali, it's a pity the fans weren't there, fans aren't there because it would be a sellout. Yeah, Drogheda host Derry, um, mid-table. Mid Derry kind of struggling of late. Drogheda on a really nice run of form. Um, can you see Derry picking up the points? It's kind of faltered a little bit under Rory Higgins after that initial bump. Drogheda are flying it. And I can see another win for Drogheda here. Um, yes, Derry have kind of steadied the ship a little bit under Rory. I still, you know, they're still searching for the first home win. They've got a win away from home already to the to the league winners or the league league uh, table toppers at the minute. Uh, but I can see a draw had a win. They're just they're just flying it at the minute, and the, the, you can see the confidence going right throughout the side. Probably the game of the evening for me, um, when you take the kind of the northwest rivalries out of it, is Pats and Dundalk. I think that's going to be a, a real indicator as to maybe how far Pats have improved and also maybe how far behind them Dundalk are at the moment, which it almost feels a bit surreal given where those two teams have been in recent seasons. Yeah, it is. And look, at teams that want to finish the mid-season break on a high, you know, uh, Dundalk probably are screaming out for it just to reset the buttons. Pats, if they win, they probably, you know, they'll want to continue the run that they've been on going. You know, albeit they drop points to, to in Derry, you know, the, the valuable two points they drop because they'll want to keep in touch with the top two. And uh, a defeat against Dundalk will, uh, you know, and results go elsewhere. They'll, they'll find themselves five, six points behind already going into the mid season break, which would be a lot. But I can see St. Pat's, the quality that they have. I think Dundalk's battering on Monday night against, uh, you know, to, to Bowes will have an awful effect. And I think Pats will win this game. Yeah, Bowes, of course, that you mentioned. Fine form at the moment. Five goals against Dundalk on Monday evening. They host Waterford. Um, can they repeat that? Can they put four or five past Waterford as well? I fear for Waterford this weekend. Yeah, I definitely do. Bowes, again, like we were saying, Kate Long won't want to sit the pre-season break because they're just starting to find form. I thought the defeat against Pats, they don't they played particularly well all throughout the game, albeit the penalty at the end. I thought a draw probably would have been a fair result, but to go in and do that to, to Dundalk on Monday night, I fear for Waterford, you know, um, especially the way Bowes have been playing as, as of late. And this could be three, four, five nil. Yeah, interesting enough from that game, Georgie Kelly scored a hat-trick Monday night, but I don't think, and I think he probably admit this himself, it hadn't been the best of seasons for him up to that point. Performances just hadn't gone his way. Uh, there have been a couple of goals, mostly from the penalty spot, but a hat-trick doubled his um, total for the season. He's up there, joint top of the goal scorers. It could be the kick he needed as well, because he's had a tough couple of years since he left UCD, could we see a new Georgie Kelly coming in after the, the mid-season break? Most definitely. And I think I've seen an interview, what he said uh, there recently, or the last couple of days, is he feels like this is his first season in League of Ireland. And uh, totally agree with him. He's He was at Dundalk with a great side, couldn't really displace, you know, the likes of Hoban and, and McMillan. And it was tough for him. He, we all know the quality that Georgie Kelly has. And 
you know, when you're when you're a striker, you want to be playing week in, week out, and it breeds confidence. But when you're when you're on the side, like to Dundalk, when he was only getting in here and there, and he was scoring, but that following week he was out. Uh, it's difficult. So you can see that he's now the main man at at both, and uh, I think he he'll kick on from his hat trick. He he's a quality player, all round, very good. Uh, he's good in the air. He's good at holding up, bringing players into it. And look, I think uh, we we we've yet to see the best of George George Kelly. Final game of the weekend is in Bishopsgate. Longford Town second last in the table. They face second in the table. Shamrock Rovers, two wins or two defeats on the bounce. Can't believe I'm saying two defeats on the bounce for Shamrock Rovers. Um, something that they hadn't had in 33 games. Now they've had two in a week. Um, they'll be looking to put that right. And it hasn't been great for Longford in recent weeks. Um, it's kind of obvious and kind of basic, but are we looking at Shamrock Rovers victory here? Well, on paper, you are. Um, you're looking at a Shamrock Rovers uh, win and probably win easy, but they haven't been playing great of, uh, as of late. And as you said, two defeats on the bounce after going so long. I was sure with them getting defeated by Dundalk that they were going to have, a, as champions do, a massive bounce back against uh, like Rovers on Monday night. And that didn't happen. They they looked flat. They didn't look, they, you know, they looked very predictable. But again, they've come out and said they've had a lot of injuries, but they're still putting out a serious side. Um, as a Langford at home, we all know they're difficult to, uh, at home. It, it, it I, I'll go with a Shamrock Rovers win, but just yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. So, um, Sligo Rovers potential to it's in their own hands up in Fern Park, and next weekend they could still be the the top side in the league going into the mid season break. You haven't got the uh, now that you're like a no, local celebrity in the northwest, Alan. Not that you weren't beforehand, but. Uh, with your heroics in recent weeks, you haven't got the call from uh, Highland Radio now that Declan Boyle, has, Declan Boyle, who's normally with them, has jumped ship to Sligo as a coach. You haven't got that uh, conversation. Come up and have a chat with them and do coverage for them over the weekend. No, no, no. I just, uh, I think I'll stick to my day job now from now on. I just uh, uh, like stay under the radar because I, I don't fancy that leaving a, another uh, commentator high and dry. It's a bit of a trek from Bally Buffet down to Sligo for to put out a fire as well. Alan, thanks as always to for, for being here with us this week. Um to our guest this week to Gary Rogers, who spoke quite openly about the situation as he sees it in Dundalk and I suppose his motivations for um not being involved in that this year. Um quite eye-opening in places and to Ollie Horgan who kind of was the exact opposite playing down everything to do with being involved with Finn Harps but we know he absolutely bleeds blue and white up there uh, for everything Finn Harps and he's uh, one of the major reasons why they're doing so well in recent seasons and particularly this year. Alan thanks for joining me and uh, I suppose we'll chat to you in a fortnight's time maybe or we won't actually because the mid-season break it'll probably be three or four weeks before we chat to you but uh, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks so much Brevany.